0: Hey, this is Leo, and you're listening to another episode of After Hour Projects. This episode is with Professor Brian Hansen. Brian Hansen is an Associate Director and Clinical Assistant Professor of Management Communication at NYU's Stern School of Business. Prior to teaching in both the undergraduate and MBA programs at NYU Stern and NYU Shanghai, Professor Hansen held a global management position at Intralinks and is a former management consultant in the field of organizational development Professor Hansen also runs a nonprofit organization, Social Impact Scholars. In this episode, we talk about the current state of education online and trends in the space, the story behind Social Impact Scholars in providing students with access to opportunities, and the transferable skills those early on in their career can apply towards any discipline and start adding value immediately. This was a really important episode because Social Impact Scholars was basically my first side project. So, stumbled upon this by chance, or when we think about it, it, is maybe not by chance. It was actually following my interests. And you'll hear why in this episode. Again, thanks for listening. And you can find show notes and more on afterhourprojects.com slash podcast. Hey, Brian. Great to have you on the After Hour Projects podcast.
1: Leo, it's great to be here. Thanks so much.
0: It's interesting. So today, actually, I was scrolling through LinkedIn and saw some people post about these virtual internships that are offered by like KPMG and Deloitte. And these aren't the same ones that are part of like an official intern program, but they're open to everyone. I don't know if you've seen any of these
1: I haven't. I'm actually really interested to know a little bit more about that because I think so many students are really looking for these types of opportunities right now.
0: Yeah. So what I saw was they're more like online courses, like modules. So they're under ten hours, and I'm sure they have the video component to it, and maybe some questions too. And they even have like guidelines for what you how you can put that on. So they say put it on under extracurricular activities, and then they list some of the like, skills that you can develop. So it's not like completely like an internship, but it's also better than maybe like some other alternatives and gives people structure to what they can do during the summer.
1: Yeah, I have to say that. I mean, basically, we've just finished our spring semester during this whole COVID-19 um, crisis. And I will say the students are... concerned about what happens next, not even just about employment, but just about filling in the gaps and the time, especially if they're in regions where they are likely going to be under quarantine or some level of that in the next, let's say, two you know, two to three, maybe even six to seven weeks, depending on where they are.
0: Yeah. And how's that been going for you in terms of the classes you've been teaching? So how's the remote education been?
1: So listen, I actually have really enjoyed the remote learning only because it creates a whole level of challenge that I think... It just makes me a better teacher. It makes me think, what do I need to do differently to engage my students even more? I think at the end of the day, what I've learned is that if you are not a particularly effective teacher in person, you're not an effective teacher online. And if you are an effective teacher in person, you are constantly thinking about how you get students to work in teams, participate, speak up, you know, It's supposed to be a conversation within the class. And so what I've learned, actually, what I'm really enjoying is that what I'm learning from the virtual side, I absolutely am going to apply back when I am in person because they really are. They come hand in hand. Uh, But this is to say I'm learning. I'm not suggesting that I am doing this perfectly. I have a lot to learn and figure out in terms of just how to keep how to keep a class moving uh, my biggest challenge is actually I like you know I think I, I start to create a, an experience that's more like television, almost like I'm the producer of a television show, um, and that sets me up for failure, right? Like where I want it to be like completely seamless and perfect, where you know like we we transition from this to this, and then like somebody's ready to talk, and then we go into a breakout room, and then all this works out. Um, but it's really just me <laughs> running this whole thing. And I'm not a producer. I don't actually have that experience. And nor is that really the point. It's still a class. So I think, you know, I'm 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 enjoying the experience. It's definitely a challenge. I have a lot to learn. Um, and I most certainly am excited to go back to the in-person learning, to be honest with you, when, whenever that can be.
0: That's interesting to hear. And it's funny how you bring up like with producer things like that, because I've seen some things like online courses. And so those are ones where like they have that whole team in the background. And then they have that person there. And also just like in different countries too, like some Asian countries, they have these things like celebrity teachers where let's say English teachers are kind of like YouTube stars and have like that following are influencers. So there's just so much going on with education.
1: Yeah, I mean, are you finding, I mean, do you think that it's worthwhile to have that level of production value? Or, I mean, I'm just curious to know What is your takeaway as you're listening to some of those things?
0: I actually haven't listened to like those specific ones, but I have looked at some online courses. And so like one good thing with what's going on right now is that some of these platforms are giving away these memberships for free for this time period. So I think one message I read was a lot of these courses, what they give is actually a compilation. So like they bring everything together in one place and that gives you structure. But then like otherwise i think some of the content is actually like out there for free so it's really like giving you that set structure to do different things
1: yeah i mean it goes back to what you were saying before i think at, at this stage i you know yes i think every student every young person would love to have as many opportunities as they can but i also feel like we're pretty realistic with where we're at in terms of opportunities unemployment challenges all those things and so it comes down to okay, how do I still like better myself, learn more, connect with some of these organizations that I might want to work for in the future. And, you know, and, and uh, you know, actually take up some time throughout the summer and, and, and use that time to, to do things that are effective. And, and I so I think that it does definitely fill a really important space, especially again, for folks who are not reopening right now and not being able to go into a position right away. So it's good. I'm glad glad it's all out there for sure. Mm
0: -hmm. And there's a lot going on as well in terms of just having students be able to take advantage of what's out there, specifically online. So one thing I actually came across recently was this online mentorship platform called Edith Labs. And this came from a LinkedIn post where someone posted saying that he gathered a bunch of upperclassmen and working professionals who are willing to mentor students online. And so I signed up for that and people can ask questions, they can book times with the mentors. So that really shows that there are some of those resources out there and really just going back like into like my own experience from NYU. So I was a freshman and then I was in one of your classes and that's where we first met And I was working on this program in the social impact space. So this is one where I presented this paper on electronics waste. So that whole concept of social impact of creating shared value, and so this is something I still remember even like all these like years later. uh, One one of the things that I do like take away from school. So it's how can we like do business while doing good? And so like this is really just something of being able to like pursue something I thought interesting because I was doing some electronics reselling already in high school and like incorporate some of the different material that was learned in class. So this is really an example of something like learning by doing.
1: Well I have two things to say to that. One, I actually still remember all those years ago where you sat in the classroom what the classroom looked like, who you sat next to. And I do remember the paper as well. So I just think it's crazy after all these years, I'm still chatting with you and seeing you. And it and it really is like not in, it, it's, it's actually in my memory. I will tell you that that program has evolved. It's really exciting. Um, we now had, I think when you were part of that program, there were probably, I don't know, somewhere between 30, Maybe between 25 and 40 students. I don't remember exactly the number, uh, but now we have you know over 90, sometimes uh, depending on the year, even over 100 students that are interested. And what we did this year, which I thought was really interesting, is we we continued that experiential process that you just ex- described. Basically, we said, "What are you?" We, we kind of tried to frame it around the Sustainable Development Goals, which we actually did not do um, many years ago, which, uh, you know, at that point, the, I don't think the SDGs were, they were just the millennium, (laughs) the millennium goals. So, um, but now we we try to wrap it around the SDGs and we said, choose the SDGs that are most interesting to you and figure out how you want to explore those throughout the semester. Um, blown away, completely blown away with what they did by, you know, we just saw it last week. They created infographs, um, they put together like Instagram pages, all these interactive things, um, and we're trying to figure out how we can actually get them a voice so that these things that they've put together really just by interest can be utilized by the university on, you know, in, in some cases on university property, like the websites that we have and stuff. So I'm glad you like the experience, and it's it's only evolved. It's evolved from that to so much more, and yeah, I think the experiential part is so important.
0: Yeah, there's really just so much that can be done when you match something that you're interested in with something that you can actually do, and that really just spurs you to like take action. So it's really that there's these opportunities out there, so you can just get a lot from taking advantage of them.
1: Yeah, and I think that's that's such good advice. I mean, I'm so glad that you're doing this and that um, folks can actually get inspired because you know i will say what i'm also excited that you said before about mentors and you know what you're trying to do uh, through i think you said it was the edith program yeah yeah uh you know i've also talked to a lot of people who want to get involved with their community um people who are maybe a little bit older and trying to do some volunteering and it's it's challenging right now like how do we actually go about doing that and what are the the best ways for us to use our talents, especially if it's virtually, this seems like such a great way to do that. So that's cool.
0: Yeah. One thing I found even like in the past few weeks is just LinkedIn's actually just blown up a lot with different people trying to help students. So I think that's really good because even like when I was a student, I'd never really thought to use LinkedIn much, except when I was trying to do recruiting. So trying to do some networking at that point, but now like there's this, positive response out there to help people. So I think like for students out there, LinkedIn is actually like pretty useful nowadays.
1: I think that's such good advice. I actually haven't really even thought about that. I certainly haven't told students that. Right. Um, And I think that maybe I need to up my game there. So what you're saying is that LinkedIn is still a very viable for like the the Gen Z folks looking for jobs. This is still like they should take the time to Develop relationships and connections within the platform, not just for opportunities, but just in general.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so. And even actually, like, so before all this, there's actually some people I've met through LinkedIn. So interacting with them online based on something that I was interested in. So for a period, it was people working in marketing, and another period, people working in blockchain. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes I ended up seeing them in real life, like at an event. So this one time, I just walked. To someone and said, "Hey, like, is that you?" And he was like, "Yeah." So then we basically like were able to talk from there.
1: Huh. I mean, that's awesome. I mean, that's the way it's supposed to be, right? This is organic. This is an organic, organic connection that flourished, and that's so cool.
0: Yeah. And then, so really speaking of being able to keep in touch, I remember during class you mentioned a little bit about your background from starting off as a teacher. To then going into consulting and then into being a professor so like those years after i graduated and when i was just started working i think like that that's what i was thinking about thinking how i was like wondering about that path and because it's something that's not as you know it's different from what someone would do like my thinking before was something like go into investment banking sort of as an analyst then associate and then go all the way like to managing director so it's not like linear. And that really like drew me to want to like basically like, catch up with you. And that sparked like all of that. So uh, if you can like walk the audience through a little bit about your background. and
1: Sure. Well, and first off, I just want to say I'm glad that you did. Um, it's so great that we've reconnected. And I mean, we've now we've been chatting regularly for years since since you've um, left college already by now years ago, so it's crazy. I, um, yeah, I mean, uh, the short answer to all of this is, you know, I, I have always been interested in education. That was the, the, the baseline of who I am. I was maybe pre-law. Not, I was pre-law in college, thinking that maybe I would go into law for a few years, and I realized after interning at a law firm, which is why I think internships are so important. Um, you know, I was, I interned at a law firm for three summers while I was in college. And by the third summer, I was like, there's just, for me personally, nothing that I'm getting out of this. Uh, and I can't imagine spending the next, you know, couple years of my life after college preparing for this either. Um, again, that's me personally, There's they're nothing against law. So I, um, you know, I, I realized quickly teaching was where I wanted to go. You know, I jumped right into it. Like many things that I do in life. Um, I don't always think everything through. I just sort of jump in. Uh, I entered into a school district that uh, you know I didn't have my teaching credential, which is typically not even a thing. You have to have your teaching credential to teach, but in certain areas uh, in, in California at the time there were there were some schools that had such need they were willing to take recent grads who came from particular institutions and who did not necessarily have their credential and could go through that process while they were teaching, so a little bit trial by fire. Uh, I don't really recommend that process. <laughs> but in any huh. event, the short answer is teaching was amazing and it really led me into to to who I am, right? It it got me to understand how to interact with audiences and how to, you know, really understand and empathize and think through the things that that we're doing as a as a collective. I moved to New York to be honest with you, the only reason why I went into the business world is because I did not have a teaching credential in New York state. I did in California, but not in New York state. And they didn't translate. I needed to take like an extra class. As a result, I was like a class short and it was like August. and I'm like, I'd have to wait a year before I really start in the school system. So I looked for other jobs and jumped into consulting, which for many different reasons was a was a pretty linear path for me in, in terms of just, it, it was pretty straightforward at the time. I think it's a little more challenging now. Uh, given the current climate. But um, yeah, consulting was a, a really phenomenal in, a, experience that really connected well to what I was doing teaching in terms of, again, understanding what is the problem and who am I actually adding value? How do I add value? And how do I, how do I connect with them, right? And so I think at the end of the day, like, I, you know, I circled back to teaching, obviously at Stern at NYU. yeah. But um, I feel like at the end of the day, it really is this sort of, all right, I've got a, I got a finite amount of time like there's a project or there's a semester and my job is to like interact with this person and communicate with them and work with them and listen to them and figure out like together, what is it that we're trying to accomplish and accomplish it and then measure how well we did. Um, and, you know, sometimes we don't always muster up and we have to rethink and go ahead and continue. But at least to me, like I've seen a ton of overlap between all of the things. And so, in some ways, it has become, in my mind, quite linear. But of course, it's not, to your point. It was a very disparate sort of set of of, of opportunities that sort of came together in, in this little uh, narrative here.
0: That's interesting. Really interesting in terms of how you said education was that common thread. And so the way you put it, that really all ties together. Because, I mean, even from my experience working at kind of like an internal consultant in some cases it's also like trying to understand things from the other side and then communicating ideas so it's really all about these different factors
1: yeah well i mean look I, one quick story i was um i was teaching in a uh, a fairly under-resourced uh, area of los angeles and you know i went in there really like i said very unprepared and my image of what middle school was for me was my worldview and my perspective, and it was what I expected to bring into that classroom because I didn't know anything different, right? Um, and you know, I'm not proud of that. I, I, but that's kind of where I went. And you know there were there could have been two paths. One was me trying to shove down these students' throats, sort of my view of what education and the way I went through school was. Or it was, you know, try to figure this out as a collective and understand, you know, again, like asking what is the value that I'm bringing here? How do I bring more value and how do I measure that value in ways that matter to me? And of course, to, you know, in real metrics as well to the institution that I'm working for. So I'd like to say I chose the latter path, Um, you know, sometimes, sometimes not always successfully, but I think that that, you know, was so so life-changing for me to realize, wow, like my experience and the way I look at school, like fundamentally, like learning and education, so much of this is, is like very context dependent and and absolutely needs to be questioned and thought through. And, you know, even going back to what you said before about Mm -hmm. the virtual learning and stuff like that. I mean, I feel like, um, you know, we are, we, we have an opportunity always to ask like, how, what, what is the value we're bringing in this, especially in education and how do we do it better? And there's never, Never an, an end point to that, right? I mean, that's the whole point <laughs> is that it's supposed to always be going in the direction of improvement.
0: Mm-hmm. And on a topic of perspective, I think what you said about how when you first started with that school, it was looking at it like from your experience and then like seeing that there was really like so much more out there that relates to me as well, in terms of just that phrase of you just don't know until you try, mm-hmm. and so. Now, like, I work in the field of strategic partnerships, which is a lot about how we as a bank can work with other parties to then create some mutual value together. And I'll say that, like, working with social impact scholars was actually the start of that because back in school, I didn't know what the field of partnerships was. So I just didn't know that, like, that existed. I knew that there were jobs like, investment banking or consulting and then all different sorts too having interviewed around but that like there wasn't this like one specific thing and so like this whole experience was really just a lot of learning by doing and so before we get more like into that whole story around social impact scholars how would you describe the organization
1: in a nutshell social impact scholars help students get that first real, internship, especially in the social impact space. And it also helps and works with social impact driven companies connect with the future business leaders, the future employees um, that they're going to be interacting with in the next, you know, four to seven years. So I think that if you look at it from both of those angles, it really does give a good sort of overview of what we do at the end of the day, I think it it spawned out of the idea that students have come to me and they're like, I'm having a hard time. And many of these students were first generation students. They were students of color. They were students that came from typically, especially in New York City. So certain boroughs within New York City where, you know, just the, they may, they might've been the first, uh, like I said, to go to college or they just, they came from families who typically ran and owned small businesses, you know, or they, you know, they didn't have a ton of connections to this, like, sort of corporate sphere, if you will. And, you know, I found that these students were some of the, like, hungriest and the brightest students that I had, and were kind of getting beaten out by other students who, um, you know, again, maybe a, a parent made a phone call for them to connect. And so I just was like, we've got to figure out ways to get more students more opportunities earlier. And the same on the other side, I have mission driven companies that are like, look, we would love to hire, you know, a group of folks to tackle a certain issue, but we just don't have the resources. And actually more than even just the the resources of money, it was like, these small businesses don't necessarily have the time to, on a day in and day out basis, work with, you know, four or five interns and manage that process. It is a lot of work. You have to make sure they have, you know, they have... Support mentorship. They have actual work to do every day, and that can become a full time job end of itself for for some of these folks trying to build out these businesses. So you know, I think when you look at it in both directions, I was like, I'm getting I'm getting hit on both sides. You know, there's got to be a way to make this work and address both in 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 at the same time.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting, and it's also just I think like giving these students that exposure really early on. So a lot of them they might have like learned that concept about creating shared value, what social enterprise is in a classroom, but then being able to actually see these companies, what they're actually doing, and then work on these different projects, that really is something that I'm sure sticks with them. And even if like they might not initially start off with something in that field, when they like build up their skills, then that's really something down in the future when like they can come in, like just from like those experiences so early on in college.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, it worked with you, right? I mean, you you had gone through some of this experiential stuff in college, and I would say you you kind of took on a more traditional post NYU Stern job after college. And yet throughout that whole process, you you know, you were constantly trying to figure out one, how do I navigate my career so that it fits into the values that I have, and two, how do I gain the skills and do some of the extracurriculars that might get me there faster or in a particular way? And It's so interesting to me how you were able to do all of that. And I do think a lot of it spawned from you even just having some of those initial ideas through college.
0: Yeah, I think so. Really just even knowing what social impact was and then having that positive experience there. And before we get into really more about what I was doing in terms of working with social impact scholars, what was that first cohort like? Because I came in during the second year of it. And so you described a little bit, about it about how people students were coming to you and then th- you saw that there were companies out there so how did you manage everything yourself while also teaching
1: yeah so i think the sh- the short answer is I'm, I'm privileged to have somewhat of a you know a split lifestyle where you know from january until may i you know do 110 percent in my job at nyu And then over the summer, I have have a mix, right? It's certainly not zero, 100 social impact scholars, but it's it's more like, you know, let's say 40 NYU, 60% social impact, sometimes 50-50. First off, I was privileged with time. Um, And I just want to say that because some of this is, you know, I I don't want to overplay my hand here. Like as a professor, you do have, you have a particular level of um, independence that allows me to sort of investigate and do some of these things you know, I don't have a boss who sits and watches when I come in and when I leave and that sort of thing. So it was privileged in all those ways. But the the short answer to your question is that um, besides splitting it up and really, you know, trying to dedicate very particular times where this is my time to work on this project and whether I get 600 emails about something else or four phone calls, I am going to drown all of that out for the next two hours and make some progress in developing my cohort or thinking through the curriculum. Uh, and so I try to do that throughout the semester. And then when the summer hits, then, you know, I have a lot better of an opportunity to, to play that out. But you know, the short answer to that is it's, it's really hard. Sometimes I don't know how, um, I actually get it all done. I, I, I am learning. And I think this is the best advice I can give around this is, uh, I am so, I hate asking for help. It is ingrained in who I am. Um, I hate asking for money. That's even worse inside of my brain. So these two things are not good qualities to have. If you're trying to run and develop something um, either on the side or as your main project, you can't do it alone. You can't do it alone, even though I have tried. Um, and so I think what I what I have found is that so many people have come to me. For example, you, right? You came to me and said, I'm really interested and my first thought is, well, I can't pay you, so therefore I can't have any value to you whatsoever. And you should look elsewhere, right? I mean, these were some of the initial sort of like barriers that I had to get across. And then I think the the second part of that is, you know, if someone wants to help, you have to be able to make sure it's mutual, right? For you, there were very particular things that you wanted to get out of working with the social impact scholars. And it was always a concern of mine that you weren't. Um, and you, I only wanted you to do things that um, you know were value added for you. Even though, you know, I also had a lot of things that you were doing for me that I was like, I, I really want him to do. These are really great. Like you introduced me to my first real cohort of uh, of, of businesses. It was because of you that I had that. So you know, I think, and I, I have a bunch of MBA students who have now reached out, and a bunch of undergraduates who are a little bit older. We have said, we want to get involved. We want to help. I now have an alumni network to help. So, you know, I know you asked you asked me about the first few years. Um, and the, I guess the only other thing I'll say about the first few years is that I only did it. I worked really small. I did a bunch of pilots. So that first year was like six students. They were people I trusted. And essentially, I was like, look, I have no idea how this is going to turn out. We're going to go Mm -hmm. through this week by week. And at the very end, I'm going to collect all of your feedback and we're going to really make this program happen the next year. And, you know, doing pilots, I think, is is really just the only way to go unless you just have a really strong idea and a ton of support and funding and you just want to, like, move it forward. But, you know, for me, I did not. So that was definitely a big part of it.
0: Two things right there. One, I think, one thing that's really important, though, is that I'm sure because these students were working on consulting projects and that you have worked in consulting before, I'm sure that like, with that previous knowledge, you knew like what the students can do to add value to those companies. So leveraging some of your previous knowledge helps with that. And then in terms of starting out small, running those pilots, I could say the same thing too. Even with working with social tech scholars, because for me... I haven't really like built partnerships before and I, I think like one thing that was really helpful and like even let's say like if the results didn't go as expected was just like having a platform because as me, as someone starting out, if I were to like do something like this on my own without like having an organization behind it with like a defined mission, then I think it would have been a lot harder. So having something that's run before and then going with it helped. And then just breaking that down even a little bit further, it's just some things like me doing like initial outreach to people. The first emails I sent to people weren't as good as the ones that came after. The first meetings, same thing. So it's just learning by experience. And then the more iterations that went through, then the better things went.
1: Yeah. Well, look, by the end, (laughs) the connections that you made, I mean, some of them are are still people that I talk to, you know, on a a monthly basis. So, you know, whatever you did and and what you learned really did, it came out, it really worked. Um, And I, I totally agree. I think that that's so important.
0: Yeah. And I think like so much of it also just ties together too, because so in the first episode of my podcast, I went like more into detail about this whole experience, but just even like to share more about some of these things too. So actually, like when I was interviewing for my full-time job after senior year, I actually went through a lot of different interviews at over 30 different companies. So I knew what it was like to really like find different companies, do the research, and then send the emails out sometimes to like help secure the interviews and then just going along with it. Because I think like at that point for me because I also was graduating a semester early I wasn't focused on this particular role mm-hmm. it was more of having those interview opportunities and then branding myself for those specific ones of course like for people who do have that time and who do want to focus on something specific then best not to like stretch yourself out too thin but like being able to adapt in those different situations also really helped so Essentially, a lot of stuff actually came together, and I was able to apply that from this experience.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, and and you've leveraged it since then in so many different ways. I know that some of the contacts that you made by now three, four years ago for the Social Impact Scholars I know have actually turned around and become opportunities in a whole other way that you've taken in very different directions irrespective of what we're doing, which I think is really cool. I mean, I hear from some of these contacts about you and I'm like, yes, I know who Leo is. I talk to Leo regularly. Um, And I just think it's funny that some people are giving me updates on you when you are the person that connected us in the first place. (laughs) So it's cool how it all kind of comes full circle.
0: Yeah. So much really is about just learning by doing experiential learning and really just not knowing until you try something and then, Sometimes something just takes off, and now, in terms of what's currently going on, how's everything going right now, and how's the organization
1: yeah, I mean, so I think there's there's a lot of changes. We keep upping the ante and by you know if if we can get to a benchmark where the final project is really due much earlier, but it's not really the final project. I'm going to give them advice and connect them to folks, and then they they see where they could really dive in and make more value. Uh, I think the projects can become even stronger. Um, so, that's a really big change for us, which is just thinking how we run the summer program itself. I actually do think the number one thing a first year can bring to the table, and I'm going to say this as advice for people that are listening to this podcast, even if you're not a first year student, um, I've noticed this with my MBA students that I'm working with right now in my consulting class as well. The number one value add you can have for a client, typically in these sort of like consulting external relationships that we're doing is the primary source information gathering, right? Being able to interview and survey and ask questions and get ideas is something that is very difficult for someone who has a lot on their plate to accomplish well. And I think we downplay that sometimes, right? We want to be experts and we want to know something. Um, And a lot of times we don't, right? Like first year students don't have a ton of experience and knowledge to be able to give. And a lot of times it can be that these students spend most of the summer gaining the knowledge to sort of be able to show, yes, I understand what your company does. But that's not a value add for the business leader who's like, well, yes, I know what my company does. I've developed the company, right? So I think if we can, we're, we're shifting to more of primary source gathering. And, and that can be in so many different ways. I think that also is really, really good for the first year's who are less connected to like making a phone call to a business and asking questions or having an interview like you're doing right now, this is a lost art that I feel like puts people in a better position to, to compete for whatever it is that they want later on. And that's where I, again, I'm going back to you and, and kind of what you were saying before about getting yourself out of your comfort zone and connecting with people and mm-hmm. asking questions and, and gathering data and information if, if you are listening to this podcast, whether or not you're part of any organization that I'm related to, I highly recommend that you get good at doing that because I think that is what separates you. That is what separated you, Leo. I mean, you were, in my opinion, I, I feel like you got to, um, you got so many opportunities because you were in the room, you were like talking to people and chatting and like, before you knew it, so-and-so knew so-and-so, and I'm going to go ahead and, and kind of go in this direction. And I feel like if you didn't do that, if you weren't comfortable, like reaching out and chatting and all those things, then those things would have never come for you. So, you know, I mean, I just think that's so important.
0: That, that's a really great point. And it's, I sometimes get that question too now on LinkedIn, when people ask, what skills can I actually use to help add value? So your response to that really helps people because I think like when you know what you can do, then that gives you confidence to reach out to people. And be more sure of yourself to actually do that, and then an opportunities can, can come. Because oftentimes, it, it is hard to really do introspection to figure these these things out. But coming from someone who's worked with these companies already and has worked with like companies himself, I think this is really helpful advice.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and I, I, I like I said, I, I get that there's what well, there are disconnects. For example, you know, I am. A white man that grew up in an upper middle class neighborhood. So, my sort of network and my connections and my comfort level with chatting with people and like reaching out, you know, come from my father who was in sales at, you know, an executive position at General Electric, right? I mean, these are not necessarily things that I think. I'm particularly good at just because of who I am, there are things that were given to me as privilege. And I do think that for other folks, sometimes that's not necessarily quite as apparent or there there are barriers. And and taking that first step and doing it, no matter who you are and what your background is and what you've experienced in your life, um, I do feel like is such an important, if you can, you know, if you can muster the confidence and the energy to do it once, to your point, it won't go that well. But then the next time, it will go a little bit better. And if you keep doing it, I just feel like you end up being so much. It stands out in ways that, um, again, level, level the playing field or even maybe even tip the balances in the other way. So it's so important. And uh, you know, I want each of my students to feel like they are empowered to do that and do that well.
0: And I think. Going into something that you're interested in, that helps too, because that can give that extra
1: push. Yeah, I love what you said too about um, confidence, right? I, I, I'm seeing it now, even with MBA students who have quite a bit of experience. They've taken a lot of classes. They've all been working at some points in their life. Um, and they're doing these projects with clients, which, again, I know isn't part of the Social Impact Scholars, but it's worth mentioning. Is I think many of them feel like they have to be the expert. Mm-hmm. In let's say digital marketing, when they have no digital marketing experience. And so, you know, here they are doing all of this research that's quite canned, it's out there, it's available. Frankly, the business leader that they're working with knows a lot of that already. And so it's not necessarily that much of a value add. What is a value add is if that person calls. 10 people that do digital marketing from different agencies look at a cross agency perspective of what like someone from let's say a publicist would say versus someone from a small independent firm and like and then tie it all together and say look based on like you know 36 conversations i had with really smart people me a smart person has been able to put all this together and you know and figure out how i can deliver that to you I, i there is so much to that and i feel like it does it goes back to what you said about confidence is so re- resonates so well with me it's like wait i do know what i'm talking about not because i'm an expert but because i'm smart like i can listen i can di- dissect i can you know absorb and i can uh, analyze and figure out sort of what my take is on this and i can feel really really good about the advice i'm giving without you know having 30 years experience doing it
0: yeah that that all really makes a lot of sense. It's having these generalist skills that can be used across multiple disciplines where you can add value and like in that mm-hmm. situation too, as someone who's curious, eager to learn, and able to do things like connect the dots, synthesize information, so that really is some place that people can add value
1: yeah for sure.
0: I think this is a great place to end on in terms of leaving people with takeaways. So, Brian, thanks for coming on. And where can the audience find you and Social Impact Scholars?
1: Sure. Um, So we are live right now on our website at www.socialimpactscholars.org. All one word, socialimpactscholars.org. And then, yeah, I'm available. I think the easiest way is to just look me up and type in Brian Hanson NYU Stern, Um, or you can find my email address on the on the website for social impact scholars but you know uh, i I teach at stern i'm pretty i'm the only brian hansen that you're going to find even if you spell it wrong or with multiple s's or one s or whatever um so i think you know email is great i love chatting with people Um, and thanks so much for highlighting the work that we're doing at the social impact scholars because i do think it's important And I know you really believe in it. And again, I just want to say thank you for believing in us and for being such an important part of what we've done.
0: Thank you. Thanks for tuning into this episode of After Hour Projects. For show notes and more, visit www.afterhourprojects.com slash podcast. You can find all episodes there as well as on Spotify, Apple Music, or your preferred podcast service. Make sure to give the podcast a like, subscribe, and I'll see you on the next episode.